Did y'all know that Christmas Tree Pass is part of Avi Kwame? Avi Kwame is the Mojave name for Spirit Mountain and the surrounding landscape. This area is sacred to over 12 indigenous tribes. Representative Dina Titus recently introduced a bill to protect those lands as Nevada's fourth national monument. But it hasn't seen any action in the House since February. So advocates are now setting their sights on a presidential decree. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I talk with Berta Gutierrez, Associate Program Director at Conservation Lands Foundation. She tells me how a national monument gets made and why this designation would benefit all of us. It's Thursday, August 11th, 2022. I'm Vogue Robinson, and this is CityCast Las Vegas. Good morning, Berta Gutierrez, and thank you for being on CityCast today. Thank you, and good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we brought you on. I'd love to know a little bit more about Avikwame. Can you tell me what that is? Avikwame is a region in southern Nevada. It surrounds Spirit Mountain, and right now it's a proposed national monument. The area is very sacred to at least 12 Native American tribes. And it's really rich in biodiversity. Some of the biggest Joshua trees in the state of Nevada are there. It's great habitat for tortoise. So because of the great cultural values and the rich biodiversity of the area, it makes it a great candidate for a national monument, um, which can be protected either by Congress or by the President of the United States through the Antiquities Act. Oh, okay, cool. For for someone who hasn't visited the area, can you describe what it looks like? I know you said it's a great place for tortoises. So the whole area of the proposed monument, you can travel a little bit of east of Searchlight and be among really, really tall ancient Joshua trees. You travel another hour away from there and you're surrounded by evergreens and you know you're at a higher elevation the air is a little cooler and you're seeing less joshua trees and more juniper more just evergreen if you travel a little south of there you are in the middle of creosote bushes and you may find a tortoise or you may find jackrabbits you may have you may see a gila monster, even though they, you know, you don't want to see a gila monster, <laughs> but you may. But you might. Watch yes. out. <laughs> so the, the landscape is so diverse. You can go closer to Spirit Mountain and you're still going to be surrounded by evergreen, but you're going to be surrounded by these amazing granite mountains that are going to glow pink if you stay there for the sunset. Man, and you know, the sunsets are like, sunsets are my jam out here. Like uh, I know, me too. <laughs> One of my favorite parts is when there's a gorgeous sunset and I go an hour later on social media and everybody, we were all outside we're all, with our cameras. Look <laughs> at it. <laughs> yes. I, it sounds so serene. And you said that it is also sacred to 12 tribes. Yes. Why is this area sacred to them? 
So the 12 tribes that we know of, 10 of them are the human-speaking tribes, which include the Mojave, the Hualapai, um, among others. And many of these tribes traveled down, some of them into Mexico, but some of them stayed around here, you know, while the process of, of colonization was happening. The tribe that is like closest to the area is the Mojave tribe. And through them, we've learned that the whole area surrounded by Spirit Mountain is their place of their creation story. So it plays a vital part in their, in their life story. And that is true for all 10 human-speaking tribes. Then we have the Chemawavi Paiute. And the Southern Paiute in general, some of the area, which is now known as the New York Mountains, are part of their creation story, their life cycle. And then we have the Hopi who also see the area as sacred. But then we know that there are so many roads and so many travel routes that cross the, the Southwest and specifically surrounding the Avikwame area that we know that there were probably many other tribes mm. that traveled through the area or lived there. We just know of 12 right now. Right. It's like 12 and counting. <laughs> like, yes. There's more. How does your work at the Conservation Lands Foundation relate to the Avikwame? So with Conservation Lands Foundation, we support through community groups, different campaigns or different stewardship projects. And in this case, we're part of the coalition that is working to get this land protected. So there's a group of, there's a big group actually of, there's conservation organizations, sports groups, there's other recreational businesses. There are just individuals that have joined because we all see the value in this area. And everybody has a different interest. Our interest is to like really protect this area in a permanent basis so that it can really help us survive as humans. We need a balanced environment. We need to learn how to live with nature in order to survive. Protecting Avikwame would help with our climate goals, saving habitat, for biodiversity to survive and to move as the climate changes. It would help preserve the cultural values. You know, there are indigenous tribes that their culture is tied to the place. You know, they still go and visit different areas to be able to pass down their culture. And so that the landscape has to be there, has to be protected so that their culture can continue. So it sounds like, okay, we've got different communities, but is there like a major goal of the coalition? The main goal is to protect the area as national monuments. So, and, and as I mentioned before, a national monument can be protected either through an act of Congress. And right now, Representative Dina Titus has a bill in Congress, the Avikwame National Monument Protection Act of 2022. She introduced it in January, but it has to go through the whole Congress, right? There has to be a matching bill in the Senate. Then it has to go through the whole process, a hearing, um, a vote, both in the House and the Senate. And sometimes that's complicated. <laughs> you know, these days it's actually like kind of complicated to get anything through. Yeah. <laughs> so because a national monument 
can be designated through a proclamation by the President of the United States protecting an, an object, a cultural, historical object, then the President of the United States can do that. You know, it could either be through Congress or through the President. And that's what we're hoping for. Whatever happens first, right? Whatever can happen the easiest. <laughs> we're here to support that. But we're here to like really um, educate the community about the importance of the area. It's also important for recreation. The Avicuame area, because there's a couple of mountain ranges that separate that area from Las Vegas, you can see that the stars and how many kids that live in Las Vegas, live in these urban areas, haven't seen the Milky Way. You can see it from Avicuame, right? You can go for a hike. You can go for a picnic. You can spend some time in nature, which is so important to us really connecting as humans and like preserving our mental health. Yeah. So part of that is just like really getting the community out there. What do you think are the biggest concerns that locals have? So part of that area is protected as tortoise habitat. But that only happens in the lower elevations. So the higher elevation areas in Avicuame are not protected right now. They are managed as multiple use by the Bureau of Land Management. What does that mean? That means that a mine can come and have a claim on it. There could be uh, an industrial level. Uh, energy project that can like, claim that area. So there has been some some of that um, those projects come up in the past, and it's been up to the tribes and conservation uh, groups and the neighbors that live around there, searchlight that have been fighting different projects. So the answer to that. The answer to playing whack-a-mole from project to project to protect <laughs> the area is to have a permanent protection like a national monument designation. So that's the I mean. If the area was good, if everybody was leaving it alone, we wouldn't be in this fight. <laughs> you know, it would mm-hmm. be all golden. But we do have to, we do have, there's concern about some open areas that can be snatched up for something other than protecting the cultural values or protecting the habitat that exists in there. Usually you have somebody that says, no, this is a, not a good idea. But the Avicuame National Monument proposal is, actually has the support of all of the townships that are around it. So we have the support of Searchlight, Boulder City, Henderson, and then Laughlin. Laughlin has such a rich experience in tourism and water tourism, right? And they realize that protecting this area can bring that land tourism that they're lacking. You know, people Mm -hmm. hiking, people backpacking. And where do they go for supplies? They go to the nearest grocery store. Yeah. Or if they don't like camping, they go to the nearest hotel, right? So there are so many benefits and the surrounding towns they they realize that and they're like yes let's do this this is you know national monuments are good for the economy they're good for individuals and their mental health they're good for the animals that live there and they're good for preserving culture and history and this is not a new battle like this is long time in the game so when did this movement begin this desire to ask for this land to be protected you know that 
the Mojave tribe has actually been at it for decades. And they have been little by little advancing protections. First, it was having Spirit Mountain itself designated as traditional cultural property. Then it was having it designated as wilderness. Then it was, you know, it's like little by little they've been able to achieve. There's some designations in the California side that are really part of that larger landscape that have been able to get protected. So right now, Avicome, the Nevada portion of it, is like really the last piece of the puzzle to get that whole landscape, that whole really cultural landscape protected. Word. And does tribal sovereignty play a role in the negotiations at all? Absolutely. In fact, right now, in order to really get anywhere, you do have to have tribal support for whatever proposal that exists. And right now, it's really important, right? This administration has made it a priority, and we see it because Secretary Helen is the first Native American to hold the Department of Interior secretary positions. And that's how it should be, right? Like, hopefully that stays forever and ever, because that's really how it should be. They should be part of the conversation. Stripes should be part of the conversation when it comes to not only conservation, but also industrial development. Like, it's like where where is it okay to do this? And are we having people who are stewards of the land really mm-hmm. present in the room to speak? Are desert lands harder to protect? Because I know some people are like, well, it's just dirt. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, that's why we do community-led conservation. Because the people that think, ah, oh, it's just desert. There's nothing out there. Let's go put some nuclear waste. It's people that don't live here, right? <sighs> it's people that don't know the desert, that haven't been to the desert and haven't seen the life that is in there. I don't think that you can live here and be like, ah. as long as you have experience, as long as you have been out there. And that's one, one of the very important parts of, of any kind of campaign, bringing the community out there. Because that's a, you can talk all day long about how beautiful Aviquame is. But if you get people to go out there for an hour, that's an experience, right? That's something that you can't really put into words or pictures, even though we try. <laughs> you know, we try to bring in the landscape to, to the community. But if we can at all uh, get people out there, get kids out there, then that's where you really create real advocates. I love that. So I'm wondering, who owns that land technically? And why aren't they willing to conserve it, especially when it's clear that there are multiple communities who've come together to say, this land is sacred, this is important, and it's good for our balanced wholeness? So right now that land is owned by the federal government and is managed by the Bureau of Land Management. So there are several land managing agencies under the federal government. You, ha- you have the National Park at the National Park Service, and they manage the national parks. You have the U.S. Forest Service. They manage forests. Um, you have the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. They manage a lot of the uh, national refuges, you know, like the Desert National Refuge that we have just north of Las Vegas. And then you have the Bureau of Land Management, which is a very interesting agency. It's the youngest one of all. 
and they manage land for multiple use. And that's the interesting part, you know. Multiple use means oil and gas, energy, clean energy, mining, grazing, and conservation. And that's the thing, right? The agency, Bureau of Land Management, can go and say, we're going to manage this area for this or for this or for this. At the moment, they have made a, a designation that says, we're going to manage this land as tortoise habitat. It's a, the, the actual name is an area of critical environmental concern. And it's specific for tortoise management, right? For tortoise habitat management. But as I said, that only includes what's good tortoise habitat, which is the, the lower elevation, like really flat. You know, tortoise thinking can go rock climbing. <laughs> they, they don't mess with that. They don't mess with that. Just like me. <laughs> so that's the key issue, right? And they do listen to the community. The ener- big energy projects that have come up in the past, they have to go through an application process. And the last one that was there took 10 years. And they ended up rejecting it. And that's because they listened to the, the neighbors. They listened to conservation advocates. There were some lawsuits, but it takes such a long time. So these type of proposals, like a monument movement, you're asking the agency to protect it, and, but that is through their processes. So this is like going to your elected officials and saying, this is what we want. We really love this area and we want to conserve it as it is and and it's important because of all of these different reasons and that's where you can make that change so what's next for the abiquame national monument movement we really are just waiting on the designations we're working on right now it's taking people out there Gathering signatures in support, you can go to Honor Aviquame or HonorSpiritMountain.org and sign the petition there. You can go visit the area and post about it on your social media and, and tell your friends. So right now, it's just gathering support at a national level, asking the president, asking or senators in Nevada to really rally up and, and, and get behind it. Uh, the, the movement and really support the permanent designation, the permanent protection that the monument designation brings. Secretary Hallen hasn't visited yet, so hopefully that would happen. That would be a fangirl moment for me. Hey. I would love to see oh. her. Right. Come on down. Yes. Come on down. Berta Gutierrez, thank you so much for being on CityCast today. Thank you for having me. Uh, and thank you so much for being interested in this National Monument proposal. Okay. So here's some news. If you weren't already making an appointment before you went to the DMV, I I don't know why, but starting Monday, an online appointment will be a requirement for most services. Why? Because they are short-staffed. Las Vegas and Henderson DMVs are going to add about 4,000 new appointments each week, so good luck. Also, Martha Stewart's new restaurant opens Saturday in the Paris, Las Vegas. It's called The Bedford, and it will reportedly use locally sourced ingredients. You can make your online reservations now. 
That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. We know you're enjoying the show, so here are four things you can do to show us some love. Tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Talk soon. This is Dwayne. Dwayne the Kitty. Hi. What do you want, Dwayne? Oh, he responded. I'm done. Yeah. Man. <laughs>